Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. Get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Our guests in the program today are our friends at Indiana Normal, Alicia Tucker-Daughtery, William Henry, Andrew Bowen. We're talking about uh, marijuana legalization and issues that lawmakers may take up uh, in the next session of the Indiana General Assembly. Uh, Andy, let's talk about uh, sort of the, the, the tax part of uh, marijuana uh, legalization, decriminalization. Uh, one of the things that the Speaker Todd Houston has told us in the past is that he's not a big fan of simply doing public policy just because it may generate more, more revenue. Uh, what, do you, what, do, what are your thoughts on what the Speaker had to say? What is your response? I— I, I agree. Uh, it's always bad to chase trends, um, and this is a safer move by not doing that. But realistically, there's a half billion to three-quarters of a billion dollars we would get. My argument would always be for legalization is the health choices option, allow Hoosiers to make their own decisions, um, and then the jobs. I, there's probably going to be at least 30-ish thousand jobs, highly trained um processing, manufacturing, just for hemp and cannabis at least, and I think that's the low end. So my argument would always be the to get more high-end, um, skilled labor. High-end as in high-end, not high-end as in high. <laughs> not while you're on the job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time and a place. <laughs> but, I, but yeah, but yeah and, and I'd say the money's there, but I would never focus on that, particularly when we, have, we still have that surplus that uh, is talked about so often, especially this year. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily focus on the money. The money's there. It'll be there. But I would say the jobs uh, opportunity and then the, the the opportunity to give people a right to try for their health. Um, so let me ask you, Bob, what are your thoughts on uh, the speaker's position on taxes and using taxes to the, from, from marijuana sales, uh, basically saying that it's, it's not necessarily a good enough reason to, de to decriminalize it just for the revenue itself? Yeah, I think that's probably a, a correct statement. Um, however, if you look at, uh, as of March 2022, uh, states have reported $11.2 billion in tax revenue. Um, so I think that's pretty substantial. And we've all seen how much better Colorado schools have you know, been since they were funded by cannabis taxing. So I, I, I agree. Well, it's funny because uh, when I was in Washington State, because I go out there every other year to go visit family friends, I uh, actually visited a marijuana farm. And the gentleman told me, he showed me like the the spreadsheet of how much tax revenue they generate like every quarter. And it's like a couple hundred million bucks a year. Then driving back from central Washington to Seattle, it's like, hey, these are some really nice roads here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what they did, but apparently they're they're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, wait, let me ask you, uh, because obviously Indiana is a big uh, agricultural state. Agriculture is a major, major part of Indiana's economy. What would uh, marijuana legalization do for our agricultural industry here in Indiana? It would be a tremendous boost to agriculture, and there are a lot of farmers who are very interested uh, in expanding, especially in, in the hemp groups, uh, expanding that out to, to marijuana, high THC cannabis, um, and other farmers who would be even more interested to expand their crop and availability for those types of crop uh, in their fields throughout the state if it were more available and legal. Um, I think that we would see um, a lot of farmers trying to vie for those type of, of grows happening here in the state, and it would generate even more revenue because agriculture as you likely know, is our biggest revenue generator in the state of Indiana. And it's, it's funny, too, uh, Alicia, because uh, 
once I was having a conversation with my friends at the Farm Bureau, and he said a lot of farmers are just sort of mixed on the whole legalization. Some are just very conservative, you know, don't believe, and others are like all all for it. So would think it would be possible to get farmers on board with, with legalization no matter when, when whenever it happens? I think it will be uh, pretty simple to get farmers on board once they know that they're not going to lose their crop. That was a big problem that we ran into um, with the hemp farmers a couple of years ago. They had to just throw away, burn their crop, waste all that money and time um, because they said the hemp flower is not legal to grow anymore. Um, so I, as long as there's a stable environment for that, I see it being really effective, especially when you consider fiber um, and all the different automotive manufacturers here in Indiana. Um, it, it seems like a win-win for farmers so long as they don't get that taken from them after they've already planted the crop. Our friends in Indiana Normal here with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Alicia Tucker, daughtery, William Henry, and Andrew Bowman. Uh, Andrew, uh, it's funny uh, how this issue has just sort of changed over the past 20, 30, 50 years. I remember back in, well, I don't have an actual memory of it because only one year is all the time, but in the early 70s, Richard Nixon and his quote-unquote war on drugs, you know, made marijuana schedule one drug to after hippies and black, black activists, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of stuck with us for almost 50 years and change. Yeah, I'd say it even goes back farther than that. But yeah, it's it's there's a history of uh, of racism and uh, crony capitalism, essentially keeping Americans from using these products for about a hundred years. Back to Hearst, because um, it started with uh, his paper mills and the mm-hmm. Spanish American Civil War. And- yeah, and 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 actually, the term marijuana is technically. Um, yeah, it's that's why I've tried to make a mental push in the last like year to move towards cannabis. It was they said marijuana is a negative term against Hispanics, Mexican folks, and so there's a history of discrimination discrimination against Hispanic people and Black people with cannabis, um, and and then Nixon used it as well for a terribly failed war on drugs. Where if, spoilers, drugs won. Um, that's why I joke and say whenever we declare war on something in this country, we always end up getting more of it. War on terror, war on drugs, war on poverty. Just... It was like the Streisand effect, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's, um, to, to your original point, because I'm in danger of always going off track, uh, it, it's been fascinating to see, when I first started working in the Senate years and years and years ago, it was 2006, it was very much something you didn't share with anybody. And I would equate it to other issues, but they've had more... Uh, dangerous things happen to them, so I don't want to make light. But like, it was very much like being in a closet of sorts. Again, not to make light of other people's very real struggles, but um, where you didn't talk about it and you were very much ostracized. And then fast forward a couple more years, the same people that were cracking the jokes and talking trash now are like slightly using it, right? And then fast forward a few more years, and we have legislators that literally will go to other states and bring things back for their own use, as they have a right to do, in my mind. But it's it's also a risk. And now they're putting their careers on a line. If you're a lawyer, you could possibly get disbarred. If you're a doctor, I'm sure there's some issues with that, right? So it's these professionals are putting their careers on the line for medic for a chance at medical treatment or, or an option, I think I would say. But it, to, to bring it all in, it has been almost exponential growth in um, support for these issues. Um, Andrew, uh, when, when did you first notice that attitudes toward marijuana legalization, cannabis were starting to like really change change? Well, during my advocacy time with the American Legion at the State House and, and reforming the big four organizations back together is is really when we found, you know, that 
uh, uniform de- uh, uh, decision from our memberships. Uh, uh, resolutions were passed through those those organizations showing the support uh, for cannabis throughout the state of Indiana. And when the veterans stepped up, I think that it changed a lot of views. It changed a lot of minds uh, and got that focus into reality that these drugs that were being prescribed were killing them. And this was a substance that could absolutely save them. Uh, Alicia, I'll give you uh, almost the last. We've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, when, did you, when did you notice the the change in attitudes toward cannabis? I think it really changed um, here whenever we saw the the children that were suffering with seizures, and that when we lost um, we lost someone in our community, um, and it, it really opened up a lot of eyes, and people started to see that this is something that can really benefit us and maybe we shouldn't have this stigma. Um, people are hurting. There are a lot of people that need this healing, healing plant. Uh, Andy, I give you the last word. Always dangerous. <laughs> uh, I, realistic for me, I'd say probably it was those two things. Like William and Alicia said, it was when you saw the veterans really come forward and then you saw like the parents come forward for their children. When you saw, and I always harp on this, the non, the non stereotypical users, like everybody pictures a cannabis user as like a white kid with dreadlocks, right? And like a Bob Marley t-shirt. And that's fine. But what you need is like the Bill Gateses. You need like the Sydney Poitiers. You need the people that are the the suits. The people you wouldn't think of as cannabis users, even though we all know they're there, to come out and start supporting it. And as you've seen that, and you've seen it become more in the zeitgeist, and cultures embraced it too, and not just Cheech and Chong shenanigans, although those are entertaining, but you start seeing it everywhere whether it's The Simpsons or a family guy or The Daily Show or something else, where it's in every aspect of life, where that's where you've really started to see the change in the last two or three years. And as I'm thinking out loud, you've seen it with other issues too, whether it was um, gay marriage, you know, or other things like that, uh, where it's as the public has started to see it more often. And here it is, I've distilled it. It's the other. When you take the otherness away, you find acceptance. And, and I think that's really what it is. So it always comes down to education and conversations but having friendly conversations, you know, I understand people get passionate and they get very upset. And, and in many cases, a health concern or a health issue. But what I would remind people is when you contact your legislature, which we need you to do, mm-hmm. is to be respectful and informed and think about how would you reply if someone two finger pointed in your face and they're screaming at you. It, it's not going to go well. So just think about that, even though you are so passionate and we love you. Um, just just be educated, be informed and be polite. And that'll help. And, and I think. As the, the information's come in the last couple of years and the, the culture has changed, you've really seen that shift of acceptance. All right. Well, our guests on the program today have been Alicia Tucker, daughter of uh, William Henry and Andrew Bowman, all with Indian Normal. Guys, great to have you come by today. Nothing but the best luck with the legislature next Thank session. You, Thanks, Thanks, Abdul. Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.